Are you passionate about health and nutrition? Then check out the Nutrition Academy. They offer the most comprehensive, innovative, and transparent health and nutrition educational resource on the planet. They strive to separate health misinformation from reality. They give their students the resources and skill sets to think critically about what they read and learn. So you can use the power of research to make better decisions for yourself, your family, and the people you serve. The Nutrition Academy have kindly offered all listeners a discount for this course. So you are able to try it out for yourself with a saving of $50. Just use the code TNN50 at thenutrition.academy or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 280 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Charlie Arnott, regenerative farmer and educator. Charlie and I explore his journey from industrial commodity farmer to regenerative food grower, including the hurdles in making such a transition. You will learn about the relationship between soil and human health, the significance of biodynamics, the current state of agriculture in light of COVID-19, and so much more. This is an incredibly inspiring episode that will force you to rethink your relationship with your farmer and planet Earth. Hi, Charlie, and welcome to the show. Steph, um, thank you for having me, and and hello, and and great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for our conversation today. I've been following you for some time, and I really wanted to introduce you and your work to my listeners because you do speak about such an important topic, and it's never been more relevant than now in 2020. But before we dive in, could you share a little bit about your journey and introduce yourself and set the scene as to where you started as an industrial commodity farmer? Steph, I guess, um, well, I was born uh, at Burua here on our family farm, Hannah Minow, and um, into a, a, I guess we'd say a pretty conventional farming situation and very, very, um, very common, I guess, in Burua and, you know, Australia. Um, I guess, you know, we were a mixed farm. We had cheap cattle. We grew lots of crops. We grew lucerne and we were, as I say, a commodity trader. So we were producing uh, a lot of a lot of goods, a lot of products, um, and selling them, and and not really thinking too much about where they were going. We weren't sort of focused so much on. Uh, we were focused on quality, but it wasn't sort of like end user quality or quality quality of, you know, their experience with that product. We um, we weren't thinking about what we were growing as food essentially. So, and I did this didn't sort of dawn on me for many many years. But so I grew up here, um, you know. Wonderful farming um, family and experience here. Um, you know, very busy. I went away to boarding school and, and for 10 years and came back on holidays and worked like a dog. And it was just a wonderful upbringing. Um, and I was in, I guess essentially I was in nature every day. Um, and, you know, this is all, I guess what I'm saying is all reflective or, or, or upon reflection. You know, at the time when I was doing all this, it was just life. It was growing up on a farm with my brother, mum and dad and dogs and cats and the whole show, cattle. And, 
you know, my relationship, it's not really till sort of more recently that I sort of think about, well, my relationship with nature wasn't very, um, wasn't deep. You know, nature was, was in some ways from a farming point of view a, um, a resource. You know, we had dirt and we had trees and we had water that fell and so on. And we used that to farm and grow stuff. Um, and so that's one, one way to look at it. The other way was, you know, my, me being in nature was a playground, which was lovely um, and we, lo- we, we really enjoyed it. But I guess I wasn't, I didn't really have a, it wasn't a two-way relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really aware of, of the, I guess, the energetics of nature, the healing powers of nature, the, the you know, the nature of nature, what it really was. Um, as I said, it was more of a playground. Um, so way to school, did university, uh, four years, rural science degree at, at uh, UNE, um, University of New England, very science-based, which is reflective of, I guess, my upbringing, my, my schooling and my, my, you know, the way we sort of farm here at Borua. Um, you know, did a few other things, worked in pubs, went pearl diving up in the Northern Territory for a year and did lots of wonderful things. And then I, 1997, I, I arrived back here to Borua to, to manage our farm. And again, I managed it in a way that was reflective of my of what I'd learned in my education, and and I guess my understanding of farming and my my paradigm. I brought my paradigms that I'd sort of developed um, over the many years to back here and and farm that way. And that's not saying it was a bad thing. It was just a, it's certainly different to what we do now. And and um, you know, I was doing that sort of style of farming for quite some years until there was a, a sort of a, a point at which um, I just started looking at things very differently. Mm. And I want to share that journey with you because you're very well known as being a regenerative farmer now and um, I have heard your story before, but I'm curious for you to share with us when you had your epiphany, like when you started to see nature differently and appreciate that two-way relationship. Can you recall? Yeah, totally. Um, I guess it was, it's funny, you know, like Charlie Massey in his book, The Call of the Reed Warbler, and anyone who's interested in this sort of stuff, I, I just I so support anyone reading that book. Big book, big story, but really important. Um, he calls sort of this you know, turning point, um, a change event, a tension, tension event. You know, it's often, uh, and he's just done a PhD in this, and, you know, it's often a point at which, and this can be not, just a farming related sort of thing. It could be life and, you know, working. Health, whatever. I think, definitely. Yeah. Well, health, yeah. You know, there's, there's points in people's lives where it's almost like the pain, the tension of, of their current situation is too much to bear and it can go, you know, one of a number of ways. Um, you know, the good news is, or the good way, I guess, is that people see that there's an alternative and, and, and they just can't bear that pain anymore um, this, this, this point is, you know, is wallowing in fear, understandably. And, you know, for those like, that can get through it, it's a wonderful pivot. It's a wonderful time to, well, I mean, it's a result of breaking paradigms. Mm. And, and so for me, there was, um, there was one particular point, which was, I guess, I, I pinpointed it as the beginning of my journey. There was an ad in the local Brewer newspaper called for a, for a one-day course called Profiting from the Drought. And I, I read it and went, oh, that'll be, that'll be hilarious or, the, you know, the, the, or it'll be of some value. I don't know. I, I didn't know what to think, but I went, oh, I better poodle along with this and I did. And it really changed my life insofar as it made me think about um, the decisions I was making. It made me ask myself much better questions. You know, people were, well, the facilitator was speaking, was asking me, and Sean Martin is his name, was asking me um, questions I'd never been asked before. One, the most poignant one was when at lunchtime we were going down the shop to get a pie or something. And he said, yeah, that's all fine, but are you, um, are you happy? Mm. And, and I, it was a bit off the cuff. Well, but probably wasn't off the cuff. Um, it was probably quite, you know, intentional. And I said, well, I'm not unhappy, which was really a pretty ordinary answer, you know, on, on reflection. So, you know, that, that one day really, sent me in a new direction. A month later, I did a week-long course with the same organisation, uh, Resource Consulting Service Australia, and we, from that point on, we, uh, I, I, you know, that was when big changes happened because I, again, I, you know, I was focusing on what I was in control of. I was, I was asking myself much better questions. I was questioning 
my role as a farmer? Was I happy? What was I doing? Is this what I wanted to do forever? Was this the style of farming I wanted to do? And, and I guess the good news is all these questions and all these sort of prompts that we were um, subjected to through courses and phone calls and this whole experience with this organisation was, you know, they apply to anyone. You know, like I'm, I'm just thinking about the people listening to your show and, you know, they're for good reason, listening about health and, and, and vitality and fitness and so on. You know, these are some questions that you can ask yourself about your own, your own life, you know. So they're really um, robust um, and important questions. So I asked them. I didn't like the answers I was getting from myself, which is kind of crazy. And then the change started taking place. Having said all that, Steph, there was also... I guess a slow burn. You know, we'd been through a series of pretty tough years drought-wise. Um, you know, we were sending cattle on adjustment, which is basically when you truck your cattle to someone else's property and they eat their grass and you pay them for it. You know, we had cattle at Tamworth, which is the other end of the state from here, and even up in the Queensland, and it was just what we used to do. So there was a sort of slow burn. Um, there was sort of, you know, there was, there was, um, there was pain, I guess you'd say, along the way, um, and then this sort of pretty serious pivot happened, this tension event. So, And then I guess just to add to that, if I can, that the, that's the pain side of it. That was the bit that really got me not, well, not wanting to be where I was. You know? and, then, and then what the good news, I guess, in this, this current time, and even back then, that there was an alternative. You know, it wasn't like this is not what I want to do, but I don't know what else to do. Mm. Um, there were there were alternative strategies in terms of farm management in in my personal development. And before that, I hadn't I didn't know what personal development was. You know, I, I guess since then I'm you know I've done Tony Robbins. I've done all sorts of different sort of um, personal self development type um, courses and workshops. And I've really understood how important it is to to not just focus on your you know so called vocation career type stuff. But I mean the the richness of your career is really dependent on on how how strong you are mentally and and and, and how much work you do personally. So um, so that, so that, again, the good news was there was alternatives, and you know, so there was a sort of like a push away from what I was currently doing, and there was a pull towards you know I was being drawn towards this alternative. So you know, in the ideal world, whether again you talk about health or schooling or I don't know farming or whatever. Um, when you've got both these forces going on, it, it's really helpful. You know, and, I, and luckily for me, there was pain and pleasure at the same time because there, the, there was a potential pleasure, so, you know, so-called pleasure of, of relief of a different way of farming and a different way of living. Yeah, I love that. Obviously, the timing was quite right for you because, as you say, there were quite a lot of events that were changing the way you were already farming and I guess that opened the possibility for you to consider that there was another way. I do really yeah. want to hear about some of the hurdles that you faced when you transitioned, um, transitioned from industrial ag to a more regenerative style. But I'm curious just to help our listeners understand the point of our sort of exploration today is when you went to the profiting, profiting from the drought seminar, did you mm-hmm. understand the relationship between soil and human health already or did you learn about it for the first time then? Well, it's a great question. Uh, no and no. <laughs> <laughs> I can extrapolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, 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 didn't, um, I didn't know much about it at the time and I didn't learn anything at, the, at that course. For me, you know, it was, it was sort of the stage one was and I went there you know, with a business hat on, you know, I was, it was identified to me that, that there's different ways to do business and there's different ways to think and be. Um, the, the, I guess my journey in relation to soil, food, human health um, grew out of that over a period of time. And that's as a result of me just becoming more comfortable, me being more aware, me having more experience. But also there's a lot more of it out there. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dr. Zach Bush. He talks about... Um, you know, I mean, anyone who hasn't heard of him, you know, he's he, um, a lovely bloke. I did some work with him a couple of, uh, well, back in March, I think it was, um, here in Australia. And he has a really good angle on that um, insofar as he appreciates, and he comes from a, a, a very conventional far, um, farming 
um, uh, uh, medical background. You know. mm. Yeah, triple board certified. You know, he was basically one of the he was he was working on chemotherapy and and, and the development of chemotherapy as a as a cancer treatment. And through that, he sort of he realised that we were on the wrong track. You know, that that it was much deeper than just a let's treat the symptoms. So, and you know, as you're well aware, Steph, and probably most of your listeners, if not all of them, you know, soil that's where you grow food. And that is the that is the foundation of health, you know. Whether but are we aware of that? Well, I, I feel um, like we're as, not. As a, well, as a population, I think you're probably uh, you're probably right. I mean, people mm. listen to your podcast because you you know um, they, they they're hungry for it, they're curious, you know, yeah. and that's a wonderful thing. And I think you're right. Um, uh, we generally don't. I mean, you know, dare I say, supermarkets are some of the biggest companies in Australia in terms of you know the food industry because. Because people buy a lot of crap food, and there's some good food in there, but the, you know people are used to cheap, um, accessible, convenient, empty food, and they don't know better. And, and that's just, you know, that's the generation we've been growing up in, or it's happened for a few generations now. So, I think you're right. There's there's a lot of, um, you know, dare I say, misinformation, and there's just ignorance. At the end of the day, I'm not being sort of having a go at anyway. It's just that I was ignorant. Like I was an ignorant farmer. I was an ignorant consumer of food and you know as i said earlier i i was growing food but i, I was growing commodity i didn't really care about who ate it at all so um so as my i guess as my journey proceeded into the regenerative ag space which is a pretty new sort of term really in, in um generally used um i certainly appreciated that that soil is the foundation of of absolute life, you know, and, and it, it, it the more I, I, and I'm still learning. I'm no expert by any means, you know. Its role in producing food, its role in in our health, and it's not even just the health of the food that we is grown in that soil and we eat. It's the health that nature and soil being a foundation of nature gives us when we're walking in nature. You know, we're walking on the soil. I mean, I'm walking past a beautiful pinnock in our garden here now. And it's just magnificent. It's utilising the soil and it's breathing, you know, it's producing oxygen and it's cycling. So there's so many, um, yeah, look, there's just everything for me comes back to the health of soil. And that's, that's, yeah. that's I guess, a, a defining um, you know, feature of regenerative farming or agriculture or people who are farming in, in, you know, in, in partnership with nature is we're looking at um, improving the quality and quantity of soil. And from there stems stems life, you know, essentially, and health. Beautiful, beautiful summary. Um, you will probably know the stats better than I am, but my understanding is, and forgive me if it is a little bit simplified, but my understanding is is that we technically only have one more generation left of crops if we continue the way we're going. Is that about right with, like, the way our soil quality is depleting so significantly and the impact of, I guess, not farming in partnership with nature? Uh, I see. Look, there's lots of different numbers floating around, and I guess <laughs> that your, yours is you know, probably a good summary. I mean, there's, I've heard of eight years, you know, eight years of, of crops left. Um, I've heard of um, uh, 60, 60 crops, you know, now. So it's, they're all a bit vague, but I guess the, the, the really important thing is that there is a limit, mm. you know, that, that the, there's a fair bit of science around um, uh, the extent of the depletion of our, of our soil. Um, and when, when that's happening, and it is the source of all life, I'm not going to be too you know, dramatic about it, it, it simply is, um, then we should really be a uh, little concerned. And not just concerned, I mean, we're all about, as farmers um, producing food now, not commodities, you know, nutrient-dense food, it's, it's, you know, the, the choices that people make, uh, the stuff they put in their mouths and their children's mouths is really important. Mm-hmm. And knowing where it's from, from and, and demanding from their retailers, um, you to know where it's from and that, that, they, that they supply them with nutrient-dense food. And, and I go a step further and say, get to know a farmer. You know, go and, go and I've got a, you know, a thing that I bang on about, which is, you know, I ask people, do they have a doctor? And, you know, everyone goes, yeah, yeah, a doctor. You know them by name, yeah, doctor, doctor, whoever. And they're, they're important in your life and your health. And they, yeah, of course. Um, how often do you see that doctor? And they go, oh, I don't know, three, six months, whatever, once a year. 
And then I just simply say, well, and, and um, if you've got a doctor, who's your farmer? And um, they don't, don't know what to say. They, don't, they can't answer mm. because they don't. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, how often do you need a farmer? You know, it dawns on them that they need it three times a day. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of crazy. And at the end of the day, with all due respect to doctors, you know, if, we have, if everyone had a farmer and, and, and sourced directly from a farmer, and had a relationship <laughs> with that farmer, we wouldn't need the black oh, dogs as much, you know? know. I mean, I mean, you know, that's another podcast series in itself, isn't it? You yeah. know, the whole sort of farmer and farmer and health and of agriculture. Um, it's farm. a big one. Yeah. That's right, exactly, you know. So, so, and that's a really big topic. And, I, and, 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 you know, and it sits right beside, you know, um, uh, climate change and you know, global depletion of resources and the whole thing. And, and I say to people, because um, it, it, it's a big responsibility for, for farmers to, to, to shoulder, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of discussion and media and whatever else about, you know, farmers have the solutions, yes, and we're, we're pretty much the, the, the reason why it's so buggered anyway. Um, we've got to fix it, and that's probably fair. But, like, for a farmer to keep hearing that and seeing it and feeling responsible and feeling ignorant and feeling guilty, that's not helpful, you know. So I say, because to, to be given the the cross to bear, you got to save the planet. Like that's that's a big call. But when I say to farmers, you know what? It gets back to focusing on what you're in control of. I say, just you know where the boundary of your property is. That's your universe. That's your world. That's what you can influence. That's where you can grow beautiful food and produce wonderful soil and and and, and live in a sanctuary with your family and have a lo- lovely life. You know, your contribution is that. No one needs to make you feel, feel guilty about what the neighbour's doing or beyond that. No, you, you just focus on what you're good at and what you can do on there. That's your contribution to saving the planet. You know, and we talk about biodynamics and the use of that in creating better, more vital and nutrient-dense food and, and soil. And that's the simple and really cost-effective way that any farmer or gardener you know, or, or community gardener or market gardener or whatever Anyone growing food can use to you know within the boundary of their their herb garden, their their five thousand acre property, their their market garden. You know, as an example of what they can contribute to all this. You know, and then getting back to your you know question about health, it's just that's what we're that's what farmers that's our job. You know, we we we're sort of. We're the doc. We're we're really the doctors of the givers of health. The doctors are there to fix up the stuff we bug it up. You know? um, so anyway, look again, big conversation. It is. I'd never actually thought of it that way because I can imagine now there's so much conversation around the issues with industrial ag, and um, farmers obviously need to be supported like you were initially to to consider how they're possibly going to change because I'm sure things were set up initially for their economical result and I don't imagine it's just an overnight change to go from conventional farming to regenerative agriculture. So what were some of your hurdles? Mm. Well, the funny thing was I did, I did try did? and do it overnight. Overnight? Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I, well, I tried. I tried. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I, I went cold turkey. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, I literally, in the middle of the week-long course, I mentioned there before the grazing for profit course, I... Um, I rang this, some of my, my, my staff back here and, and said, look, you know, put these mobs together and do this and do that. And I was, I was just swept away with it all, which I wouldn't recommend. Getting your you know, animals together. Of, yeah, putting them together, it's just, uh, it relates to sort of grazing management. And, yeah. you know, instead of having five different sheep mobs, put them all together, put them in one mob, and then you get much better grazing management and yeah. a whole lot of benefits related to that. So um, I just went, I, I sort of, I guess it's my personality. When, once I knew it, I couldn't unknow it. I couldn't. Mm-hmm put that aside um but that was a bit silly because you know the tool in the hand of a ignorant or ill-equipped sort of person is it can be quite dangerous and i i, I really screwed up quite a few things you know because i just went gangbusters so i wouldn't recommend it but what i would recommend is people do you know um I mean, I did, a, I did a course called grazing for profit and it's, it's farming related i mean there's another one sort of a series of a course is called Holistic Management, HM, run by some wonderful practitioners around Australia. And a lot of it, you know, people go, oh, that's farming stuff. It's like, well, yeah, it is. That's the context. But 
so more than most of it is relating to you and 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 you being in that in that vocation and having that career but it's about creating the person that can be the most functional um well-developed person in in that in that situation so back to my transition so uh, you know i say to people you got to change the paddock between your ears first mm. you know going in with you know tools as it were knowledge and and sort of that's fine but if you there's sort of degrees of competency and and understanding and um i didn't have that that then that's fine i, you know, I don't really necessarily regret that so i just say to people you know it's about changing paradigms in your head and, and really believing in what you're doing and understanding it and it being part of you and, and in it being the driver of your passion for what you do so um so that's i guess a bit of the head stuff and you know, the physical stuff, I say to people, look, you know, farmers, again, and again, it's probably applies to most businesses, you're taking something on you, don't go cold turkey, I wouldn't suggest. Just say a, a farmer, you know, a cropping person or whoever, you know, animal, growing animals, just you've got a budget for, you know, per head or per hectare of land and whatever. Just carve off 10% and put that into a biological fertiliser or do something that's, that you understand to be more regenerative in its approach and just see what happens. Like don't go and bank, break the, the bank. Don't scare yourself, you know, the whole season waiting for the result. Just, just step in it lightly. Talk to people. Find a mentor. Read books. Join a – for regenerative agriculture in Australia or actually around the world, I should say, there's a wonderful Facebook page called the Regenerative Agriculture Group um, page. And it's just, you know, growing – daily and it's people from around the world contributing to that and that's just a great example of the support networks that are out there you know so you don't you're not you know don't have to be stepping into this dark room and you're going to get bashed you know this is like a, wow i'm stepping into the light and all these people around that can support me there's information and i'm gonna stumble i'm gonna trip over and fall on my face um and i hope people do because that's where you learn your your best lessons yeah, I love that. That's great advice. And certainly, um, you know, you mentioned Dr. Zach Bush and you've been talking about sort of biodynamics. I want to start to link some of these concepts because, you know, I guess the issues that we've got with the conventional, the industrial ag is, you know, the, the monocrops, the pesticides, we've got glyphosate in our farming chain and there's a whole host of issues, you know, health and environmental and sustainability that we need to be really aware of. So, you know, can you talk to us more about that and, and define biodynamics for us? Okay, cool. Um, so <laughs> I guess, yeah, no, it's a, big, it's a big question. That's fine. That's a good question. So I guess looking at the at one side of all that is um, industrial farming, um, high input farming of generally chemical, you know, it might be pesticides, herbicides and, and fertilisers, all generally man-made and, and pretty nasty stuff, you know, like we're, we're, we're dealing with what, what, what was left over from the Second World War and that sounds like, well, really, what are you talking about? It's like a lot of, this, a lot of the, the base of these chemicals um, were used in chemical warfare in the Second World War. That's just a fact. And right when they ha- when they finished that whole lot of this stuff left over, and said, "What can we do?" And they worked out that well, you, you don't, just, you know, it'll it'll kill plants, not just people. So they sort of morphed it into a, a number of businesses that relied on this stuff to to kill uh, to to yeah to, to be involved in, in chemical ag. So that's a place where we sat very fairly and squarely for many years in that world. So and that grew food well it grew plants right and but not nutritionally dense not healthy but they were there and they were sold and they could be eaten but that chemical more often than not i'm yet to see any evidence that, that none of it sort of that any of it doesn't go through the system it goes on a plant or animal and it, it'll end up in you if you eat it so that's kind of not something you want to be doing too much of glyphosate for instance is and Jack bush has done a huge amount of work on this is essentially a antibiotic Mm. Now our soil is made up of you know lots of like millions, billions, trillions of bacteria and fungus and viruses and the whole thing. It's a menagerie of wonderful biology. And when we spray glyphosate in a paddock, which is essentially for those who don't know, it's you know it's like a roundup. It's called roundup, or it was you know, commercially called roundup, and it, and it kills plants. It's an antibiotic that just doesn't kill the plant. It kills a lot of the biology, and bacteria in the soil, which knocks it out of balance. Mm. 
um, so your, your soil's not balanced, you're not going to grow decent food. And that's, that's, that's just a fact. That's, that's sort of almost the end of the story there. So we are, uh, you know, conventional farming, industrial ag is a producer of pretty crap food, I have to say. Um, I don't think anyone could argue against that. In terms of, not, not quantity, because this is what one of the def- defining, you know, one of the things about industrial ag is they grow a lot of stuff. But it's the quality, you know. And what does it do? We put it in our mouth, you know. Why? To feed us and to keep us happy and, and healthy, you know. It's just not happening. So um, there are alternatives to this. And one of them that we use is biodynamics. And it's essentially, you know, it, it slips into a regenerative ag sort of mind, uh, the, the farm situation uh, and the principles of regen- regenerative agriculture really well because it uses resources from your farm. It's very cheap. It's very effective. And it's all about you as a farmer being in relationship with your land because you're using, utilising the resources available to you. In most cases, in many cases, in biodynamics, it's cow manure. Um, it doesn't have to be from your land, but we use ours because it's the most appropriate to use in this land. So we make different preparations based on cow manure and we throw some other compost, uh, biodynamic compost preparations into some of the preparations. This is all sort of soil-based preparations, fertiliser if you want to call it that. Um, so there's a substance side and a, you know, dare I say, scientific side to the biodynamics in that we're, we're basically using a compost, we're creating a compost to improve soil health. And we spray it on or we can make big, big you know, piles of compost and we can spread it literally, you know, off the back of a truck on the paddocks or in gardens. You know, it's wonderful stuff. But there's also, a, a, you know, I guess an energetic side to biodynamics, which I guess sets it apart from most other, well, all other organic practices and principles in that we're actually, we're tapping into, you know, energies that exist and forces that exist that, 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 that connect us as individuals to the land and, and to the universe, to the planets, you know, just like the moon can have an influence or does have an influence on lots of things on the, on the earth, you know, the outer planets do as well, you know, and they are subtle, um, but they exist. And so we sort of do a number of different things we make and do. Um, we can create some really, you know, powerful um, substances. Um, you know, there's a bit of alchemy in there, I'm sure. Um, to to improve the soil, the health of the soil, and then that grows that decent food. So um, I, I hope I've sort of answered your question. I've probably gone a long way around that, Steph. But you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot in it, you know, and 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 we have a choice as people who eat food. Yeah. You know, we can eat we can eat stuff that's empty, and we can just go to the convenient place and buy cheap food, and and that will fill us up, you know. But we will be overfed and undernourished, and you know, or we can choose as parents, as individuals, as families to eat, eat better food and source it from people who are growing it and do it directly if you can and nourish ourselves. And we don't just nourish our bodies, we nourish our mind, we nourish our, nourish our souls. You know, I say, I, I you know, bang on sometimes about, you know, soul, soil to soul. You know, there's only one difference there. It's, it's the you and the I. You know, it's the only difference in the spelling, and it's it, it, it is it, it brings us together. You know, we when we nourish ourselves with food that comes from the decent soil, we are nourishing our our soul as well. You know, um, and we can go deep on this stuff, Steph. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's um, it's um, I think it's really important. And look, people can, you know, if people choose just to on the back of this conversation or what in books they read or whatever, you know, decide to eat better food and they go to a shop and say, give me some organic food and, 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 they, and they cut out the stuff that's got chemical on it, you know, um, that's fine. Um, I totally support that and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful stage one. If that's as far as you go, that's, that's great and you're going to live a better life. If people want to know more, you know, whether it's biodynamics or something, I just support them because it's so much more than just a, a fuel. You know, people think about fuel, food as a fuel. It's not a fuel, you know, it's a, it's life. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful summary again because, you know, well, going back to what you were saying before about the farmers feeling guilty or feeling like they've got to save the world, it's supply demand. Like consumers yeah. in the West have been shopping the way they've been shopping and we, we vote with our dollar. And so, yeah, it, it does start with us as well. And just like the farmer might not do everything overnight, 
you know, I'm sure you don't expect and I don't expect people to go straight to organic and buying their meat from a farm overnight, although they can, it'd be much easier than a farmer (laughs) to do things so quickly. Um, But there is another way. There's another way to shop. And, you know, there's always this argument which drives me crazy um, that because regenerative, holistically managed lifestyle is not common, like that means that, that it can't happen. But just because it's not common doesn't mean it's not possible. But we have to vote with our dollar and we have to educate essentially the world that the way we've been operating is essentially causing our demise, but there is another way and it doesn't actually need to be um, too, like to me it doesn't sound too expensive or too challenging. Like if you are using the resources that are already on the farm, it could even be more affordable. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's it. You're, you're not relying on, on someone else to supply mm. the inputs that, that in themselves create a, a pretty vicious feedback loop or, 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 a, or a treadmill of, 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 um, of input because, you know, the way a lot of the chemicals work, um, there's one in particular that, that you, you spray on, on um, pastures to kill or in crops to kill a little thing called the red-legged earth mite. Right? It's a native little creature because um, it sucks the sap out of, of plants. Now, that kills it yes it does it's probably going to kill the farmers using it you know over many years who knows um however it kills a lot of the friendly bugs the beneficial bugs you know so you then get that out of whack you, you kill a you knock out a red legged earth mine the thing in the in the hierarchy of sort of things that get eaten um you know the one below and the one above that creature are affected you know so so we really, and then you need something else to come along to, to, to try and balance, well, they never balance it, you, to try and address that problem and then it rolls on and, that, and then that leads into, um, you know, the same with plants when you're trying to kill weeds in a, in a, in a crop or something. So um, that's not a good thing. And, and just on your point about the, the from, a, from a, uh, an eater, as I call them, eater's point of view, you know, you know it's to think about your health long-term and your hip pocket, you know, if you, if you pay for cheap food now, it's going to cost you later in your health. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be paying doctor's bills and, you know, don't think Medicare is going to cover all them. It, it, you, I mean, putting the finance aside and how you're going to pay for it, what about your quality of life, you know? There's no escape. You, you, you will pay at some point, and I'd rather pay the farmer now than pay the doctor later on. 100%. Absolutely agree. So I wanted to shift gears just slightly and, and talk about our current situation because we are um, still in the middle of COVID-19 at the point of recording. Um, and what are your thoughts on agriculture now and, and I guess, yeah, what's going on with um, the current time that we're in? Okay. Um, Steph, well, I'm no Robinson Crusoe in saying that we are, we are in the middle of a great opportunity to change. Mm. Um, everyone's saying it, and I'm glad they are, um, you know, whether they're health practitioners, farmers, politicians, or whatever. Um, the good news is there is an opportunity. You know, it's a wake-up call. It's a message to us. Just like weeds in a crop are a message to the farmer to say there's something out of balance here, you know, nature is trying to address a problem by recruiting a weed to do something about it, whether that's a nutrient imbalance or a compaction layer in the soil or a, or a um, you know, the, 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 the ground is bare, you know, weeds are the messengers. This is, to me, a kind of message. It's like, you know what, we, we thought we had it, you know, all right and we sort of weren't too conscious about a lot of things and we took a lot of things for granted. And now when we, a lot of those things are taken away, we've got the opportunity to go, well, hang on, did we really, did we really need them? You know, how essential were they? Can we survive without them now? You know, what, what's my life going to look at? And I think, you know, it's, it's sort of a pity that we often have to experience pain to change, getting back to what I was saying. But this is, let's just not waste this opportunity. Um, yeah, and for some, the pain is a lot more than others. Uh, I totally understand. Like as farming, we're, we're, we're okay. You know, people are going to sleep, keep eating food and we can still keep growing it. Um, I'd suggest, you know, hopefully more farmers will move across this, you know, more natural ways of farming. Um, but from Eater's point of view, you know, there's um, there's that you know opportunity to 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 just think differently about what they're 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 putting in their mouths. And you know, for a lot of retailers, it's really hard. And they've they've you know restaurants are shut and wholesalers are doing it tough. But the you know the, the wonderful thing is a lot of them are pivoting really well and they're doing online delivery stuff they'd never have thought of. And there's plenty of people you could pull out of the you know quote machine on Google 
um, that reflect that, you know, these opportunities are here. It's a tough time, but, you know, the, this is what these, this is what we're, we're, we're here to take advantage of. This is, this is the, the opportunities and, you know, it's these negatives or so-called negatives that actually create the, the pivots. I mean, there's a great one, I don't even know who said it, but, you know, the, the, the success is the confluence of, of preparation and opportunity. Mm. You know, if people are prepared for this, um, oh, or should I say prepared for the next one because there will be another one, um, unfortunately, then there will be another opportunity. Whether that's to improve your health, create a more robust business, um, you know, just think differently. I think it's, it's wonderful. And as I said, farmers, are we're right in the middle of this. You know, we have the opportunity to, to um, you know, the drought was a great opportunity for people to think differently about yeah. how they farm. You know, do I want that soil to be blowing away in the wind next season? Probably not. Well, what do I do about it, you know? And stepping right back and going, well, how do I change that? And stop looking at the symptoms and look at the cause, you know, and uh, that's, again, that's another series of podcasts <laughs> if, that we can, we can talk about another time. I'm writing a list, Charlie, but what I've loved is, you know, I shop, we, we buy our meat direct from the farm, right? And I suggest this to all my clients and they think I'm crazy. They think I'm a total hippie because I've bought my own deep freezer. And then the minute people couldn't get what they wanted from the supermarket, um, I had an email conversation with my farmer about, um, you know, how much they've sold out for so many months and, you know, a lot of people were coming to them to, to finally appreciate what it means to shop local. And then there was another example where we get our organic veg delivered and they're based on, they're on the north side and they were barely delivering over here. Um, they were just starting out and then within a matter of weeks, they were fully sold out. They weren't taking any new clients. They were only servicing subscription clients for their organic fruit and veg box. So people were forced to shop differently because either Coles and Woolworths were sold out or they didn't want to leave the house or they were finally starting to realize the importance of nutrient-dense food. Like for me, that was such a celebration to see that consumers were changing the way they voted with their dollar. I only hope it can use mm. when life goes back to quote-unquote normal. But like you said, there was an opportunity and I've loved seeing the way um, I guess the world or the Western world has responded to this challenge and there are some really great silver linings that are coming out of it. Yeah, as you say, you know, farmers are doing okay and the ones that were sort of offering these services and had their food available to people and, and you know, there were some people taking pleasure in that and they would buy them and that was great. It was all a bit fluffy, you know, it's all sort of like, it wasn't a necessity. But now there's pain, you know, there's pain of I can't get that meat or I can't, you know, the butchers are selling out by lunchtime every day and just stuff wasn't around. Um, it's the pain factor that actually got people to, you know, we respond more to pain than pleasure at the end of the day, you know. So, um, and that's kind of, you know, that's okay. That's what has got us this far and, and it's kind of sad that we can't, Avoid some of that pain by learning from our mistakes or others' mistakes, and 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 and, and you know, stepping into a new paradigm. But the, the, you know, as you say, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, and um, you're right. Like you know, people couldn't buy deep freezers. Um, you know, there just wasn't stuff around. But I, as you say, I trust that people don't go back to the old way. They really take it, they really learn from this, and and do things differently. And it's a real boon for, for agriculture, you know, for those who are doing a really good job and, and, and I guess, supplying. Actually, I mentioned talk about supply and demand, actually one of your earlier points, um, that we are demanding, um, you know, stuff and it's generally pretty ordinary. At the same time in the world of industrial ag, we're, suppl we're, we're supplying a lot of stuff. We're growing a lot of stuff and, and we did exactly the same thing. We grew it and didn't know where it was going to go. We didn't really care. We just knew we had to be sold. And we grew it without knowing where it was going to end up. You know, that's a supply-based economy and that's not a healthy one. Um, what we need to do and what's a really healthy alternative is, is a, is a demand-based economy where, you know, people, whether it's computers or whether it's food or whatever, if they demand it because they want it, then supply will follow. You know, it may be a bit of a lag, but you'll get the quality. You'll get the... You know, people will not be just producing stuff to hopefully sell, so it's a much better business model for them. And the people who are receiving it and demanding it, well, it's, 
they know exactly what they want. You're creating a, an economy that is based on people's wants and needs, and um, and that should, if it also works, play to the, the wants and needs of the people who are going to supply. You know, they don't want to overproduce. They don't want to sell stuff cheaply. They want to know, like when we sell a, a pig here, for instance, um, we we know where it's going before it leaves the paddock or a cow or a sheep. You know, we we, we didn't used to do that. So, um, but yeah, wonderful opportunity, Steph, and I trust your listeners are, you know, um, considering, you know, how they can learn from not just this discussion, but their their own experiences, you know, and some of them would have had a shit of a time, you know, whether it's a retailer or a restaurateur or whatever, you know, it's, I hate to think what it's like to, you know, show people haven't got a job. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, there's another big story there. But um, but for people who are not necessarily affected in their business this way, just personally, how are they going to eat better? You know, that's, that's a great place to start. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd love to hear more about um, what you've got going personally at the moment because I know you've got some workshops, um, some webinars, and a very exciting project that you're launching soon. So tell us more about, yeah, where we can learn from you further because I'm sure... Yeah, I know you do a lot of education and that's such an important part of changing the landscape. Um, Thank you, Steph. Look, we're in the middle of um, building our new website, um, which we trust will be, or our intention is is for it to be, a a source of information not just for farmers but for chefs, for doctors, for, for eaters, families, you know, anyone to get, sort of a first step into um, whether it's regenerative farming, agroforestry, food, health, whatever. It's not going to be an encyclopedia, but it's going to be a place where they can land and, and sort of think, okay, well, you know, am I, what category do I fit into? What journey do I want to go on? What are the steps along the way? And get to the end of a little website journey and go, okay, well, that's cool. I, I know a book I could probably read, a bloke I could talk to, a website I could visit, and of course I can attend, you know, something like that. So that's in the making um we run webinars um uh biodynamic based webinars we do introduction to biodynamics um we've actually got one in a couple of those time um for people who want to know more they're curious whether it's from a health point of view or farming point of view or whatever because biodynamics seems to what does it encapsulates so many things not just how to grow food and so we run those webinars every quarter um and we also run webinars for the graduates of our courses. And those courses are essentially introduction to biodynamics. They're a two-day workshop. We have them all over you know, the country um, on farms. And we also do you know, um, like community gardens and anywhere, really. Everyone wants to run one. And so um, that allows people to really immerse themselves in biodynamics for two days. We do lots of theory. We do lots of practice. You'll go away with some stuff that we've already made and, and you'll have the knowledge to just literally go home the next day and do something. So that's – we love that. We love sending people off from our courses with information and practical things they can just implement straight away, you know. And then the other exciting bit of news, Steph, is where we're launching our own um, uh, our podcast called The Regenerative Journey. Um, not sure when this is going out, but certainly at the end of um, May we'll be um, launching that one. And it's um, interviews I, I have done with um, people in that regenerative agriculture space. And, it's, and again, I, I hesitate to say just the regenerative ag space. It's, it's people related to it. And, and this first series is very um, gratefully supported by Landcare Australia uh, through an award I won, um, the Bob Pork Landcare Award a couple of years ago. And so I talked to farmers, I talked to... Uh, Damon Gamma, who wrote, who who, who um, produced and, and wrote the film, um, directed the film Twenty Forty. If everyone hasn't seen that, go see that. I mean, um, Joel Salatin, who's sort of quoted as the world's best farmer. Um, wonderful you know, group of people who who I've interviewed and had a lot of fun doing. And I trust that um, uh, you know people will enjoy that too. So that's a, that's our most exciting couple of projects there, Steph. So exciting. I'm really looking forward to tuning in and learning more from you and your guests. So we'll stay tuned um, 
for that, I believe it's going to be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So wherever you normally yes. do your podcast, guys. Um, Charlie, it was so fantastic to have you on the show today. As I said at the start, I've been wanting to speak to you for a long time. So I'm really glad we could kick off this conversation. And of course, you're welcome back anytime. I've got a huge list of topics we can explore together. So I do look forward to speaking mm. to you again soon. And, and um, look, Steph, thank you so much for your time and, and, and asking me to be on the show. Um, I'm a big fan and, you know, the more people can sort of immerse themselves in this sort of stuff, the better. Um, quick shout out to uh, Marcus Pierce too, I know sort of you know, looks after the uh, the Wellness Couch, which uh, you can find your podcast on. Um, lovely bloke and um, been very helpful to me too with sort of getting our podcast to the show together. So, Oh, has um, he now? Good yeah. old MP. Yeah. He's a legend. <laughs> yeah, he's a lovely guy and he's um, he, he's, he's been a font of information and, and um, yeah, yeah. so I'm really, really grateful for that. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it's a wonderful platform to, for, for, to be honest. I, I spoke with Cindy Amir and, and, and her team there a couple of months ago on um, Up for a Chat and I think it's just a wonderful, you know, if anyone's in doubt as to, you know, where to find their their health and uh, well-being type stuff, that, that wellness couch is, is a different place to go. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and I look forward to having you back on the show very soon. Steph, I can't wait. And, um, and again, thank you very much, and, and thank you all your listeners for, for lasting the duration and listening. And I, and I trust they, uh, they've learned something and they can take it home and implement themselves. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Reel. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.